The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for the news, information, advice, techniques, and strategies you need to build your financial independence through real estate. And today, we are going to talk about the very important topic of how to protect and keep all of those great assets that you are building up. My guest today is Mr. Lee Phillips, an attorney who is nationally recognized in the fields of business structure, asset protection, financial planning, and estate planning. You have more than likely seen him at some event somewhere because in the last 20 years he has made over 3,000 event presentations to real estate investors and other types of professionals about how to use the law in your favor to do things like minimize taxes legally, avoid probate, avoid nuisance lawsuits, all of those very important things. We are taking your calls today. The number here in the greater Cincinnati area, if you're actually listening to me through a real radio, you can call us locally at 772-9658. If you're listening on the internet, chances are you need to call our toll-free number, 877-772-9658. And as always, you can go to our website, askvina.com, and submit your questions through there, joining us by phone from his home in Utah is Mr. Lee Phillips. Lee, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. How are you, Miss Fina? I am doing very well, Lee, and I am very glad to have you here. And I really, really hope that our listeners take advantage of this opportunity to ask someone who actually has a degree in law the legal Don't questions. Hold that against me, okay? <laughs> yes, we still love you, Lee. Those legal questions that they're always asking me. Uh, they call in and they say, Oh, I want to know if I should have an LLC or a trust. And I say, Golly, um, I'll have to get that answer from an attorney. Well, this is today is the <laughs> chance. 877 9658 or go to askavina.com. Now, Lee, um, I've known you for many years, and as the years have have gone by uh you you seem to you seem to focus more and more on this idea that rich people uh do things differently than poor people and and they use the law in different ways than uh than the average than the other 99 percent, if you will 
And, um, you know, it seems it seems maybe a little bit paranoid to say, oh, well, the rich people use the law in their favor and uh, middle class people don't know how to do that. W- what do you mean when you say use the law? It's, I don't know that you need to be paranoid about it, but there's no question about it. Rich people do things differently than poor people. I mean, you've got the, the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad out, and, and uh, 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 those thoughts are not unusual. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is the people who know how to use the law, they use the tax laws, they use the contract laws, they use the other laws to their benefit, and then they leverage what they do in order to create wealth. There are basically two sets of laws in the United States, one set that rich people uses, and one set that everybody else uses. Now, both sets are perfectly legal. The reason most people don't use what I'm going to call the rich set of laws is because you have to go to the lawyer, and the lawyer's going to hit you for a lot of money. In many cases, tens of thousands of dollars. But there's even a more important issue than that. A, a, a lot of people go, and they pay the big bucks, and they get the stack of paper, and then they never make any more money. They never protect their assets when they get sued, even though they've got their trust or their corporation or their LLC or whatever it is. They, it doesn't work. Just having the piece of paper isn't enough. You have to know how to use the piece of paper. Some people get the piece of paper and then they talk to their accountant. Well, they pay their accountant into teaching them how to use the piece of paper for the taxes and, and, and stuff. Uh, look, Vina, you, you know this. You can give your average lottery winner guys a million bucks. In one year, he's going to be broke. He doesn't know the rules to the game. He doesn't have the legal tools. You can't protect it. Uh, and, and you're going, well, I don't need to protect stuff. This, you know, shady people, people who do business fast and loose, they need to protect their stuff. No, 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 guys. It isn't that way at all. I mean, 56% of all bankruptcies in the United States are a result of do you know what the answer is, Vina? Business failure? Nope. Somebody in the family gets sick. Mm. 56% of all bankruptcies in the United States result because somebody in the family gets sick. Uh, you know, you're probably right up there. I mean, business failure is huge. But, uh, but all you have to do is get sick, guys. And I want to carry it one step further. Do you know what the major threat to your assets is? Me? (laughs) No, not you. (laughs) No, not you. Not even your spouse. Taxes. Uh, Taxes. uh, Somebody took my wife's credit card the other day, and uh, I haven't reported it stolen yet, because the guy that's got it is charging a lot less than she did. Never mind. At, at any rate, no. Your major threat to your financial security is the IRS. You're going to lose more money to the IRS than your mortgages, your kids' college education, everything else put together. It's huge. People have no clue what the IRS does to them. Let, let, let me, let me give, you, give you a little demo, okay? Mm-hmm. 
I want to take a dollar, and I'm going to double it 20 times. One dollar, two dollars, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two. You got it? Mm-hmm. You double it 20 times, you end up with a million forty-eight and change. million dollars. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. No tax on that sequence, though, is there? Mm-hmm. But everything you do is taxed. Your real estate's taxed, Vina. Your stocks, your bonds, I mean, it's all taxed. Your income, every, everything's taxed, taxed, taxed. Uh, cell phone taxes, uh, rental car taxes, telephone taxes, I mean, I mean, power tax. everything's taxed. Okay, let's tax it. Let's say you're in a 40% tax bracket. Federal and state, that's not outrageous. Okay, one dollar, you double it, you get two, but whoa, whoa, wait, 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 got to take 40 cents off. So you don't end up with two, you end up with a buck 60. You double a buck 60, you get 320, but whoa, whoa, wait, 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 got to tax the buck 60. So you don't end up with 320, you end up with 256. You understand what we're doing? Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, I have a million dollar, million 48 and change, 48,000 and change. On the other hand, I've lost 40% of the million bucks because it got taxed at 40%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, $400,000 is a big deal to me. I don't know about you. <laughs> that would take a nice vacation. Yes, it would. Um, okay. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> Do I have $600,000 left? So I've got a million on one hand and six hundred on the other hand. No, right? because you weren't able to double the same two dollars each time. Right. <laughs> How much do you have? You have twelve thousand and eighty-nine dollars. Oh my! A million forty-eight thousand, or twelve thousand and eighty-nine. Let me think. So when I say. The IRS is your major impediment to financial success. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Most people don't realize what happens. You, you've made money in your IRA, and you, I, I'm sure you've had people on your show, and they've talked about investing in real estate in their IRAs, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a big deal, because the IRA grows without the tax. I can double it 20 times without a tax. Million forty-eight, twelve thousand and eighty-nine. So it's a huge deal. I mean, you can't find me anybody that says, "Wow, my broker made me rich." Mm-hmm. You can't do it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you can find people who can say, "I've made money in my IRA in the stock market." The difference isn't in the broker. The difference is the tax benefits of the IRA outran the stupidity of your broker. Mm-hmm. So you have to play the tax game. And the problem is you can't play the tax game as an individual. The only way you can play the tax game is with a company or your real estate investment. Uh, you know what AGI is? Yes, adjusted gross income. Adjusted gross income. 
But you may not know what above-the-line and below-the-line accounting is. And I speak to big groups, and I'll ask them, you know, how many of you know what above-the-line, below-the-line accounting is? And out of 100 people, I'll get four or five hands. This is something that you need to know. Because your accountant probably, unless he's really good, has never brought you in and put his arm around you and said, you know, Dina, we need to put your AGI, your adjusted gross income, on a diet. The tax planning that most people do is below the line. Anything above the line affects the adjusted gross income. It raises or lowers it. Anything below the line has no effect on AGI. But your adjusted gross income determines everything. That's the magic number. I mean, it determines whether you, which tax bracket you're in, whether you get your exemption phase-outs, whether you pay the alternative minimum tax, whether you, uh, whether you can do a Roth IRA or not. The AGI determines everything. So you need to know how to control the AGI. And the only thing you can do as an individual to control the AGI, the adjusted gross income, is invest in a standard IRA. That 5000 bucks or whatever it is will come off above the line. But if I can get you to move all your expenses and, and play above the line, then you lower your AGI. If I can lower your AGI so you're in a lower tax bracket, isn't that a lot better than just getting a tax deduction? And, and by the way, the tax deductions that everybody you're familiar with, I mean the mortgage deduction, the charitable deduction, uh, the, the health deduction, all that stuff, that's all below the line. Yeah, it's okay, go ahead and take them, but it doesn't drop your adjusted gross income. Your little company is your most important tax shelter. Your real estate investments, your most important tax shelters. But you've got to know how to use them, and nobody ever sits you down and teaches you about all of this stuff. And when we come back from the break, we are going to talk about what all this has to do with you, listeners, if you're not someone who feels like you're a millionaire who's paying too many taxes. We're also going to take your calls at 877-772-9658 or go to askvina.com, fill in the questionnaire form, and we'll get your question by email. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Lee Phillips, who has sort of a, a whole plan for your business that doesn't just involve an LLC or a corporation, but also involves trusts and probate planning and, and all sorts of things. It's, 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 it's more of a holistic thing. It's not just about your business, but also about your life and your personal assets. I would be remiss if I forgot to mention that Lee is the featured speaker at tomorrow's night, tomorrow night's Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meeting. That's an open meeting. Anyone can attend. So if you're within the uh, driving distance of Cincinnati, I suggest you go to CincinnatiRia.com and uh, download the map and get yourself there tomorrow at 730 at 6 o'clock. The early meeting is by Mr. Darren Carey, who's going to talk about five surefire foolproof ways to find deals. So going to be a great meeting and again it is open to the public cincinnatiria.com for more information now Lee, uh, uh, on your website, it talks about how 
uh, some of the some of the richest people in this country don't pay taxes. And when 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 someone hears that and you know it goes out in the media, everyone's like, "Oh, that's terrible! That's terrible!" Uh, what we're, t- we're talking about here, though, is people who are controlling what you're calling their above-the-line income to the point where they just don't have much in the way of personal adjusted gross income. But what about the what about the listener out there who's maybe he's got a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of real estate? He hopes to have two million uh, before he retires. But I mean, is is all this really necessary for him right now? Well, yeah, because the taxes are chewing away at him, and uh, the legal system is going to chew away at him also. Uh, when you did the introduction coming back, I had two thoughts. One, RIA stands for Real Estate Investment Association, for everybody who isn't familiar with a RIA is, but I guess most of your folks are. <laughs> and two, you said uh, Lee sort of, and I thought you were going to say he sort of has a sorted background. <laughs> And I do have a sordid background in that I wasn't supposed to be a tax asset protection type attorney. Uh, and I don't need to get into all that story, but the short story is, is I got sick and spent five months in the hospital. And after that, you're unemployable and you lose everything. So I got very interested in asset protection and swore that I would never lose everything again. So, you know, I kind of know what we're talking about, and because I've been there, I, I can lead you out and around it better than most people. And you ask about the guy who has the $200,000 in real estate and wants to retire with a million in 10 years. Um, he can do it. The real estate game is, is probably the best game he's got. But he's got to think taxes, too. And there are lots of things that you can do to control the taxes. And you're right, the rich people don't pay taxes because they move all the money through entities and stuff. The entities end up paying taxes, but they end up paying very often at a lower tax rate. And your entity um, can do things you can't do. Uh, it can deduct the computer uh, as, as an individual. You can't conduct or deduct a computer, um, but your little company can, or your real estate business can, um, so the, there, there are tons of things, and, and I maybe just gave you a wrong impression that we're just going to do expenses. No, there are lots of things that you can do in, in addition to just making the computer deductible. Um, we have laws that are associated with retirement plans. We have laws that are associated with what we call benefit plans. And your broker guy, he knows something about your retirement plans, but he doesn't probably know much about your benefit plans. And you can actually put more money in many cases into a benefit plan than you can a retirement plan. And the neat thing is, is these benefit plans and retirement plans all fall under ERISA, Employee Retirement Income Security Act. They're 100% asset protected. There isn't a judge basically that can take them away from you. You go bankrupt, business goes, it doesn't matter. They can't get the money in the 401k. I mean, they can't get to OJ's pension at the football league, can they? (laughs) Goldman's tried and tried and tried and tried. No, it's protected under ERISA. It's not going anywhere. I guess OJ's not going anywhere these days either, but, you know. (laughs) So, uh, 
so so the laws become extremely powerful and the rich just figure out how to use these laws mm-hmm. and and it makes wealth for you uh, and and the other aspect is of it is is we've got the guy he's got the two hundred thousand in real estate and he's on track to make a million he's going to get sued for the lead paint he's going to have a problem and the legal system is going to take away a big chunk of what he's worked his whole life for isn't fair isn't right but it's our society today so you basically have to fight fire with fire i mean the rich people understand where the legal traps are and if you can avoid just one or two of these legal traps during your lifetime ended up in a partnership being uh, held responsible for what your partner did uh... you know these sorts of things if you can avoid just one or two of your of these traps during your lifetime that's the difference between retiring being able to go on the cruise and do whatever you want, or retiring broke on Social Security. The guy with the $200,000, he's on course. If he can just keep what he's got and not screw up, so to speak, he'll make it. He'll be okay. But such a high percentage of the people fall into one of these legal traps. When you know what the trap is, it's pretty easy. You just walk right out and around it. The rich people, they don't spend all their money paying the lawyer, getting out of trouble. They spend their money going ahead financially. That's that's the difference between financial success and failure for most people right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to make gobs of money, but you do have to know how to protect it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Vina, uh, what else do you need to talk about? <laughs> well, I need I've been to... doing too much talking. You talk. I need to remind listeners. This, this, this is great. I'm catching up on my emails. I'm just kidding. <laughs> is the number to call here in the studio. With any questions you have about asset protection, estate planning, etc., you can also send an email. What you need to do is go to askvina.com. That is, of course, not an email address. That is a website. Fill in the little form that says uh, Ask Vina a question, and it will show up here in my email. Also, while you're there, if you want to check the box that says get our free weekly e-letter, you will receive information each week about the program, uh, what is going on, and uh, usually an article by or about one of our guests. Uh, Lee wrote a great little article for us today that went out to our subscribers. Again, that is at askvina.com. Lee, I have a question here from Daniel in Atlanta, who apparently uh, is one of these folks who has seen you before. He says, uh, Lee, I, I know that you talk a lot about trusts in your presentation, but where I get confused is, are you talking about land trusts in the traditional sense or some other type of trust? Do I need more than one trust? Well, I'm usually talking about another type of trust. There, there are dozens of different types of trusts. Uh, trusts basically have the same operating procedure. You have a trustee, you have beneficiaries, you know, the the guy who puts the tr- money into the trust, the grantor, the settlor, trustor, whatever you want to call him. Uh, they all have about the same MO, but they have very different aspects to them because Congress has created these different types of trust. One of them, if you put life insurance in it, the life insurance is protected from the lawsuits, the estate taxes, the income taxes, everything. The trust most people run into is something we call a living revocable trust. It's called an AB trust, EB trust, family trust, 
loving trust. I mean, it has a dozen different names, but it's all the same thing. Uh, I believe that you need one of these living trusts and a will as your basic personal legal plan or foundation, as I call it. And you need a durable power of attorney. You need those three things. Everybody needs them. Uh, that trust is used to avoid probate and to pass property easily when somebody dies. Um, it can give you any asset protection. A 2503 trust will give you asset protection. The land trust is a baby living revocable trust. That means we're going to extrapolate that out. I just said that a living revocable trust does not give you any asset protection. A land trust will not give you any asset protection. Most states do not have laws associated with land trusts. Uh, the land trust started in Illinois. Illinois has an Illinois land trust. And it's kind of cool. And the real estate investor gurus looked at that 20 years ago and said, wow, that's kind of cool. And they extrapolated that trust into other states. Well, if you've got a land trust in a state that doesn't have specific land trust laws, you have a baby living revocable trust, and you will not get any asset protection out of it. And if you back the gurus into the corner, they'll say, well, yeah, that's right. But you get anonymity, which means that you aren't listed on title. The trust is listed on title. However, if you are the trustee, then your name is listed on title because the title always reads the John Doe Trust or the 3849 Mulberry Avenue Trust, John Doe Trustee. So the trustee is technically the owner. Uh, it, it, title, well, it isn't the owner. The trustee isn't the owner, but the trustee's name is on title on behalf of the trust. So you say, okay, well, we'll have somebody else, my good friend down the street, be the trustee. Well, at that point, you'd better be trusting your good friend down the street as your trustee because he has title to your piece of property. Now he's supposed to do with it what the trust says to do with it and so on and so forth. And people stand on their head and they make the LLC the beneficiary and all this and that and the other. Um, the answer is no. You're still not going to get asset protection out of it. And the myth of anonymity is, I'm going to say exactly that, a myth. We had a, uh, a student, one of the people that we were dealing with, and he'd say, oh, I, he, he, he was, you know, I've spent my whole life staying below the radar. I've got my land trust. I got everything. I'm 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 totally anonymous. And would tell him to do something. He'd say, "No, I can't do that. That'll blow my anonymity. I don't want an LLC. My name's going to have to go on it." <laughs> well, finally, we got upset with him and said, "Look, give us the address of the property. I don't care if it's in a land trust. I don't care where it is. Give me an address. I mean, your tenant knows where he's living, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Give me an address." He gave us an address, and we came back in about 20 minutes. Now, we did have to spend 60 bucks to do this, but we were mad enough we did it. Uh, we came back. I don't care if he had it in a land trust. I don't care where he had it. 
We had every piece of property he'd ever smelled. We had all of his bank accounts. We had all of his credit cards. We had his entire life history. Lawyers have databases most people don't have. Mm-hmm. And you have to be a licensed lawyer to use them in many cases. But uh, but he finally looked at it after we gave him the printout, and he says, well, I guess anonymity doesn't work. Now what do I do? <laughs> Get some asset uh, protection. <laughs> yeah, the LLC will give you asset protection. The land trust won't. Now, I, I don't care if you use a land trust. It doesn't matter to me. It ain't going to hurt anything. But you need to know what you're getting. And in fact, I'll tell people in California, yeah, go ahead and use a land trust. It's worth a little bit. Um, in California, if you set up an LLC or a limited partnership or anything, one, since California is brilliant and they've done away with all their websites, uh, it's going to take you six, eight months to set it up. Two, it's going to cost you in just the state fees, uh, eight, $900 a year just, just to pay the state. Got to keep California going, <laughs> and uh, and so you know I, I don't advise people to have a separate LLC for every piece of property, it, it, particularly in California. You'd go broke. So uh, so yeah, use a land trust. Maybe it'll give you something, but I'm not big on them. Here's a. a- interesting question from Becky, who is in Covington, Kentucky. She says, maybe your expert can settle an ongoing argument with me. Some people have told me that my wholesaling business should be done in an LLC. Some people have told me I don't need it because it's not a high risk business. Final word, should I have an LLC for my business or not? Well, the wholesaling business is going to be giving you what we call earned income. It's not passive income. The rental in your real estate is passive income. It's taxed differently. Wholesaling, well, uh, wait, wait a minute, are we doing, uh, I, I just thought product. Are we wholesaling real estate? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's still probably going to be passive then. Uh, I would still do it in an LLC, not for the tax purposes. I was going after the taxes. But I would do it for the for the liability shield. And it isn't the liability shield that you think it is. If you get sued uh, in your business, the corporate shield will protect you from what happens in your business. Actually, in 95% of the cases, it doesn't, but it can if you've done it right. And everybody says, oh, I've done it right. Well, yeah, I'm going to get you 95% of the time, boys. So if it's done right, it will protect you you from what happens in the business but there's another aspect of it if you get sick are you going to lose the homes that you've got in your wholesaling pipeline and the answer is if it's in your name yes you're going to lose them the answer is if it's in a corporation yes you're going to lose them the answer is if it's in an llc you probably won't lose them I'm going to spend, uh, actually we're doing the evening with, with uh, Cincinnati Rhea here tomorrow night. That's going to be a good introduction, but if you really want the scoop, come to the uh, all-day Saturday on, what is it, the 19th? 19th, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and let me add, I'm really excited about that. I mean, that. I'm going to go in, into the deep dive on these LLCs, and, and, and I would, in, in an audience of 100, I'll ask a couple of questions. 
and it is obvious that 98% of the attorneys have never sat their clients down and told them how to protect their business if they get sick or if they get sued or if they get divorced or whatever it is, mm-hmm. whether it's a wholesaling business or the flower shop down the street. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, again, in, in 15 years that, that I've known you, I have actually never seen you do an all-day presentation. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I have not done a lot of all-day presentations. Uh, people don't talk me into it very often, but you're one of the more persuasive individuals I know, Vina. <laughs> And again, the information about that is at CincinnatiRia.com. We need to take another quick break. We also want to invite your further questions at 877-772-9658 or via our website at AskVena.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vena Jones-Cox. My guest today is Lee Phillips, nationally recognized expert on asset protection, trust, probate issues. And when I say nationally recognized, he doesn't just speak to real estate groups. I've seen him booked at groups of doctors and lawyers and financial professionals of all sorts. So um, pretty high, pretty high octane stuff here, guys. And this is the time to ask your questions about that sort of thing at 877-772-9658 or via our website at askvina.com. Uh, I have a question here from Kim, who's in Mansfield, Ohio. Kim says, I'm both confused and intrigued because I just heard your guest mention that I should have both a trust and a will. My attorney told me a trust was enough. Why do I need a will? All estate plans should have a will. Uh, The will is the basic foundation of the estate plan. Uh, If you have a trust, the will and the trust have to talk back and forth to each other. And the will that you get when you just get a will is called a testamentary trust. You're a testator. The will that you get when you have a living revocable trust is a pour-over will. The will acts as a backstop, and the high percentage, uh, we're talking 80-90% of the trusts do not avoid probate. The trust is a probate avoidance tool. But in order to do that, the trust has to be set up properly, it has to operate properly, and you have to fund it, which means that it has to own the stocks and the bonds and the cars and the house and the boats and the, and the safe deposit box and everything else. And the fact of the matter is, is people aren't trained and they aren't careful, and they forget to put the last piece of property or the new brokerage account in the name of the trust. That means that piece of property or that bank account or brokerage account or whatever it is has to be probated. And you need a will in order to probate. So if we have a will, it names the personal representative, that's the executor, executrix guy, and he goes into court with the will and he probates the bank account or the piece of property. And then the pour-over will doesn't say we're going to divide this piece of property up six ways, Mr. Honor, you know. It says everything that's probated goes back into the trust. Then the trust owns it. Mm -hmm. And it's distributed out of the trust. So the property that goes through the will pours over into the living revocable trust after the probate. It's called a pour-over will. So the will is a backstop. 
case something goes wrong with the trust. And like I say, in a large percentage of cases, something goes wrong. And I'm going to be as brass as to say that many attorneys set it up that way. Because then they get the fee for setting up the trust, and then they get the probate too. So, you know, 70, 80% of these trusts, they go through probate. Mm-hmm. Or the property goes through probate. You don't probate the trust. But the property goes through probate because the trust was flawed in some way. Mm-hmm. And when I started to, to, to do this stuff, I became infuriated. And I started to write to try and warn people about this. And then I started to speak, and I just kind of got into the speaking and writing mode. <laughs> and then you wrote like 19 books, and then... You, yeah, yeah, you? <laughs> a couple of them, and, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, let me, let, me just, uh, let me just give a, a personal amen to the trust thing, because um, I deal with a lot of sellers who are trying to sell a probate property. And the difference in ease of them selling it and the quickness of them selling it with someone who just has a will versus someone who had a trust is humongous. I mean, I, I see properties that the, the, you know, grandma died over a year ago and the property's just now getting through probate to the point where the heirs can sell it. And in that year it's gotten stripped, it's gotten weather damaged. It's become more or less valueless in this part of the country. On the other hand, Many times I'll get a call from somebody whose parent or grandparent or aunt or uncle uh, died and had a trust, and it's one month later, and they're ready to sell. Uh, you should be able to sell that piece of property within two or three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's in it, the trust. It's 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 huge. It's it's a huge difference. In the average in the United States is a year and a half on the probate. Mm-hmm. And like you say, they've gone in, stripped all the wire out, all the copper pipe, all everything else. I mean, it's a nightmare, boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to. You've got to pay attention to these tools. And, and that's what I mean by using the legal system. Uh, you may not just have realized that you use the legal system, but you use the legal system to keep your unit or grandma's house or whatever it is from being stripped before you could sell it. Isn't that more money in your pocket? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a huge difference. I mean, it's 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 the difference in in you know it, it, many times these were rentals; they weren't actually grandpa's house. Right, it, it's it's the difference between the heirs getting twenty five or thirty thousand dollars for you know their cheap rental property versus getting one <laughs> for their cheap rental property. Uh, we need to go to the phones, and we'll we'll talk to Jim, who's calling on line one from Cincinnati. Jim, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hello, I have a question for Lee. The, my parents want to transfer their property to me, and it's an almost paid-off house in upstate New York. And their attorney prepared all the paperwork, but they want to put it in my name. And I said I'd like to put it in a trust instead of my name. And first he tried to put it in a irrevocable trust, which wasn't really the intent. And then he said if we put it in a trust, there's issues about how Medicaid will treat it they put it in my name, there's a five-year period during which Medicaid would still treat it as their asset. After five years, it's no longer on their books. And I think it's the same if I put it in a land trust. But a land trust gives me some anonymity because I'm a real estate investor and I own other property and I'd rather not have my name on the record. Do you have any input on what to do in a case like this where we're transferring a rental property 
so that someday the, the government won't take it away from them when they go into a nursing home. Uh, well, the, I, I understand where you're going, Jim. Um, there's a couple of issues. Uh, one, it's still my dad's house. Two, you're right, you've got a five-year look back, no matter what they do with it. So if they set foot in the rest home within five years after they've done something with the piece of property, it comes back. Medicaid reclaims it. Uh, that was a Mr. Clinton. And so it's difficult because mom and dad don't want to give up their house five years before they're even thinking about the rest home. Uh, definitely do not have them... Do not have them put it in your name, because that is a gift, and you have to take the original basis of the gift, which means they bought it for $10,000 40 years ago, and today it's worth 100000 That means when you sell a house, you've got 90000 in capital gains. If you get it through their living revocable trust or through their will and their probate or any, if you get it because they die, that's the trigger, then there's no, it, it, it gets what we call a step up in basis to the $100,000. You sell it the week after mom and dad die from the trust, and there's no tax. Now, no no income tax. Sell it to me for a dollar. What happens if? If we, we transfer it at a, a low price sale. Well, Jim, wait a minute. Let's 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 back up and, and talk about why are they doing this? Has the property got very little value? It's probably worth seventy to ninety thousand, maybe a hundred. Okay, so why are they why do they want to sell it to you for a dollar? Because they know that at some point they're gonna go into a nursing home and the government's gonna take it away. They count it as as their asset. And they want well, to do that with I think you need I think you need to step back and take a deep breath. This is mom and dad's house. Mom and dad have no obligation to give you anything. Sorry about that. Uh, they they have an obligation they want to. Well, they have an obligation to take care of themselves. Right. They don't want to go in a nursing home on government assistance. And the fact of the matter is this is the way it usually unfolds. Mom or dad falls, and they last three or four months. And the spouse who didn't fall takes care of them at home. Then the second spouse falls, and they have to go in the rest home for four or five months, three or four months. The average stay, I think, is 90 days or less. And Medicaid, Medicare takes care of the 90 days. Um... So the chances of you eating that $70,000 isn't good. Uh, as long as they have any hope of going back to the home, Medicaid, Medicare won't make you sell it. Um, it's just not as big an issue as you maybe think it is. Uh, and I would much rather have the step up in basis. Selling it for a dollar, fine. They sell it for, to you for a dollar. I'd rather gift it to them, have, have them gift it to me. But if they sell it to you for a dollar, what's your basis in that piece of property? A dollar. A dollar. So two weeks after mom goes in the rest home, you sell a house for $100,000. What's your gain? Okay, $100,000. Yeah. 
so you just paid fifteen thousand dollars or twenty thousand or whatever it is this week away in taxes. Now that twenty thousand dollars would have kept mom in the rest home for another five or six months. You're right back to square one. And yet, Lee, this is a fairly common uh, strategy with with older parents who are who are say, who are saying, well, you know, I've got this paid off asset. It's the only thing I have. I don't want. I want to leave it to the family. Right, Absolutely. and I don't want them to. I don't want it to have to go through probate, and I don't want them to have to pay the taxes on it. So they'll either sign it over like this, or they'll they'll well, do what they put it in the trust. There is not going to be any tax, income tax or state tax. I mean, they've got to have. $5 million, $5.25 million today to even have a federal income tax consideration. If we've done a trust, there's $10.5 million that mom and dad can pass. I mean, most of us walk around with both feet on the ground and don't have $10 million we're going to give to our kids. Mm-hmm. So the estate tax in Ohio isn't an issue. I'm pretty sure Ohio doesn't have a state estate tax, does it? Uh, you got me. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you in two seconds. any rate, uh, the taxes are not a big issue. Um, I'm more worried about the income tax and the uh, and the uh, the other the potential capital uh, gains. So Ohio doesn't have an estate tax. So your recommendation to Jim is get his parents set up with a trust as opposed to now New York does have a state tax, so. Okay. Yeah, I'd set it up in a trust, uh, not worry about the five-year issue. If they go in the rest home, yeah, you might lose some of it. But you what just can't. That? What was that, Jim? What was the type of trust? Just do a living revocable trust with the pour-over will, and let's have them transfer it to you through the trust when they die. That's going to save the income tax. There won't be any estate tax. New York does have an estate tax, and it's pretty steep. Uh, New York is New York is sixteen percent of everything over a million dollars. If mom and dad don't have a million dollars in New York, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, mom and dad the don't have a million dollars. <laughs> Okay, so living re- living heart. revocable trust with a pour over will, and of course, don't the durable power of attorney, and don't put it off. Do we have any others? We're running out of time. We, <laughs> yes, we are. Thank you very much for your call, Jim. Thanks, uh, Jim. Appreciate that. And uh, um, you know, uh, Lee wills and trusts are um, actually in exactly the same category as LLCs in the sense that people tend to not want to think about them until it's really kind of too late to do anything about them. And uh, one of the things that we're constantly harping on here on real life, real estate investing is put it on the to-do list and do it. Don't, don't, don't keep thinking, yeah, I got to do that. Yeah, I got to do that. People don't do it because they don't understand it. And I'm going to explain it well enough uh, Thursday night, tomorrow night, and particularly on the on the on the deep depth dive on Saturday the nineteenth, so that you don't have to be afraid of it. You know exactly what to do. Whether you do it yourself, whether you have your attorney do it, I don't care. But you need to know what to do, and then direct your attorney or do it yourself.
Mm-hmm. And the ability to direct to the attorney, of course, is a very important takeaway because, uh, again, we get lots of questions here from people who went to the wrong attorney or said the wrong thing or just well, took whatever they were given. The, <laughs> yeah. If you blindly walk in off the street and say, hi, here I am, Mr. Attorney, set me up, what's he going to do? <laughs> set you up. That's what you just asked him to do. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, unfortunately, we are out of time, but if you'd like to spend an evening with Lee Phillips, you can do that in Cincinnati tomorrow night at the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati meeting. You can get more information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A.com. And while you're there, check out his all-day Saturday presentation on the 19th of October. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.